Welcome to Building Better Businesses. I'm Kristen Dees, founder of Catalyst Consulting, an agency that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs start, grow, and level up their businesses. This podcast will bring you interviews with experts in all things business related. Have questions for a business attorney? We've got answers. How about your health insurance? Got you covered there too. New episodes coming your way every week. Find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest today is Seth Donlin, the founder of Awin Coaching and Awin AF, which I think is great. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but um, a coaching consulting wizard for business owners and entrepreneurs and a serial entrepreneur yourself, I believe, if I remember correctly. That is true. I've, I've had a few businesses <laughs> in my, over my career. That's good. That's, that keeps things interesting, I think. Um yeah, thanks yeah. for joining me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me on, Kristen. I, I'm glad to be here and enjoying it. Excellent. Um, so tell us a little bit about you as a person. Sure. As me as a person, you know, I'm a, I'm a very inquisitive, uh, curious person and a very gregarious, uh, people-focused person. So... My career launched in journalism. I was fascinated with, you know, meeting different people, learning about them. I did a lot of feature piece writing that that was sort of along the lines of social anthropology, you know, digging into um, subcultures or groups of people and finding out what made them tick. And, you know, that eventually launched me in the direction of a, a career in communications, um, and now, you know, I, I am a, a marketing expert, I guess, if I can say that about myself. And, you know, I help entrepreneurs with their marketing strategy through AF and help. My main focus is on service entrepreneurs in my coaching practice, but helping them to, to really focus in on who their proper audience is and how do they authentically connect with their audience in such a way that they, they don't have to hard sell into their audience, but they become first of mind when their audience is, is ready to pull the trigger and actually buy whatever that, that you know, entrepreneur's services are. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I feel like that's kind of, that's one of the primary struggles people have, like is the when when it comes to the marketing piece of it anyway is like how what am i talking about (laughs) and who am i talking to and what do they want to even hear from me because a lot of times those are all very different things uh exactly from what you're doing so and and we uh, as well we as subject matter experts you know whatever our you know whether you're a, a personal trainer or you're uh you know, a chiropractor or you're a tax professional or something, we have such a, a deep understanding of our expertise that we lose touch with what it is that actually concerns the, often we lose touch with what it is that actually concerns our, our customers, our potential customers. And that's one of the biggest, that's absolutely like, you're correct. It's one of the biggest struggles that people have is, is they, as odd as it may seem, they don't even know what their message should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I have the, I definitely have that problem from time to time too. What it, it's really, um, 
the challenge that it's is that it's so hard to be objective about yourself, I think. So it's yeah. hard to be like, this is what other people see or what other people need. And for me, there's so many things because I've been doing what I've been doing essentially for 20 years. So I'm like, I forget what other people don't know because things just feel so second nature to me when it comes to talking about HR leadership or business operations, like any of that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I, sometimes I, I feel like I'm, um, being, I guess, what's the word like sharing things that are super obvious, but it's really not. And that's what people really need. So sometimes it's just kind of figuring out things like that. Like you said, like I've functioned at this level for so long that some of the other stuff, which is what I really want to help people with, I, I forget. And I feel like it's kind of a, it's a weird disconnect. Like you said, sometimes to be like, Oh, this is what other people need. It's not all what I think other people need <laughs> in my head. So, right, and it, and it's that idea that you need to meet your potential customer where they are, and you know, attract them through what they believe, even if what they believe isn't necessarily true. You know, so what, sell them what they want, and then give them what they need. Um, in, in in essence, because I find that a lot of, and I'm sure you you see this as well, you know, in businesses that you work with, and in, in your own business, I see it in mine, where you, it's very easy to meet somebody, have a conversation with them, and they say, "Oh, I'm having a, this problem in my business," and you, because you have a lot of experience, because you've seen it all before, you say, "Oh yeah, okay, I know what the problem is. The problem is X, so you need to do A, B, and C." The problem being that, like the the person you're talking to doesn't realize that the problem is X. They, you know, the problem is in fact X, but they don't see the underlying problem. They just see the symptoms, and so you try to you try to give them the solution to the problem, and they say, "That's not my problem. My problem is whatever the symptom is." And you know, that's one of the biggest things in marketing is to, is teaching professionals to speak to the symptoms that their potential clients are seeing, even if that's not the real underlying problem that they're eventually going to be solving for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me too. Cause it's really when you have like the problem solving kind of brain, um, that's usually what you're immediately going to is like the root of the problem. Right. For the most part, I mean, if you're trying to do it right anyway, I feel like is the, um, yeah, what's the root cause um, instead of just continuing to like put band-aids on a situation or beat your head against the wall in various corners of the building. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's great. I like that. Um, so what you're saying is figuring out what the symptoms are that people are suffering from and talk to them about that and then provide them with a solution for the actual source of the problem. Yeah. And if you, if you think about it in the terms of what we're just discussing, you know, in terms of my my role as a marketing strategist and a marketing coach, you know, for instance, somebody may come to me and they're, and they are, you know, their problem is really that they're having, um, you know, they're, they're having income problems. They're not landing enough clients and they've determined for whatever reason, because they recently, you know, heard a, on a podcast or read in a book, somebody talking about the power of, of marketing to your list. And so they say, you know, I've got, you know, I need help putting together an email list, generating a sizable email list, attracting people onto my list. You know, they've, they've got some focus around their, their list. And in fact, the fact, you know, 
that they don't have a sizable and or robust list is really a symptom of the fact that they don't know how to talk to their potential clients in a way that people want to join their list. So if you come to them with a solution and say like, okay, well, I'm going to, we need to figure out who your customer is, what you offer, what kind of, you know, emotional connection they have to their problem and, and they have to your potential solution. You talk about all of these things that you need to get clear on in order to craft a solid message. They're going to say to you, no, I, I, I need to hire somebody to help me build a list. And that's, you know, so if you want that, if you want to capture that customer, you have to under, you have to market to people that like, hey, are you, you know, is your list not providing you with the income that you want? Are you struggling to build a list? You know, come to me and I can help you with that. And you, you explain how you're going to take them from wherever they are, where they're like, where it sucks and they're really sweating the fact that their business isn't going the way that they want and that their list isn't growing and isn't producing. And you explain to them how you're going to get them to this, to this point where their business is booming and they've got a growing list and their list is uh, producing their money. And you don't talk about what the actual solution is going to be, which is like, we're really going to need to work on your messaging and your understanding of your customer and all these other things. Um, because they won't, they won't hear that. They don't, they're not aware of the problem. They're only aware of this, of the symptom. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Um, I love the, one of my favorite things, by the way, about doing podcasts with, uh, geniuses and wizards is that I always learn stuff. I'm like, this is so great. Like if no one else listens to this, I've learned something. <laughs> so, um, so thank you. Uh, yeah. Cause it really, it's like, I just, there's so many situations where I, I struggle with that myself and I'm like, I consider myself not a marketing expert, but I'm more knowledgeable than the average bear in a lot of ways. So I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, these little the frustrating things that it's like, oh man, that's such a helpful way to describe it. I'm like, I, I can't be the only one that finds this helpful. So um, where do you think it kind of comes from? Like the struggle with effectively communicating the message? Like, is it just that people don't know what they're trying to do? Like what mm-hmm. and how to say it? Yeah, I think that there, there are you know, probably three big things and watch, I'll end up telling you four things, but I'm going <laughs> to say there's, there's three big things. Um, the first one being what we've already talked about that, that many, many of us that are very knowledgeable about whatever, you know, our subject matter is again, you know, tax advising or being a lawyer or, you know, being a running coach or whatever it is. We, um, we've gotten so deep into our expertise and we know so much of the of the like latest cutting edge stuff that we're excited to impart to our um you know to our potential clients and you can't you can't necessarily market that to them because they they don't spend all their time geeking out about whatever it is that we geek out about as experts in our field and you've got to be talking to them um at the at the point of their problem that they understand and again usually not all the time sometimes people are problem aware but usually people tend to be uh particularly earlier on in their journey they tend to be more symptom aware than problem aware 
Um, so you have to talk about the symptoms and explain that the symptoms are really just symptoms of a larger problem, and then you can help them solve the problem. So I think that's that's one of the first things. The second thing is is that people are. Um, it's another thing about being ex- uh, experts. We want to talk about the nitty gritty of our practice of our expertise. We want to, you know, we're so knowledgeable about our field and we are aware that we have so many competitors and maybe some of our competitors are, you know, I mean, earlier in your career, certainly there's plenty of people that have a lot more experience than you. There's people that have degrees from better universities than you or whatever the case may be. And in your mind, you may be saying, all right, I've got to come out guns blazing and wow people with my knowledge and really, you know, well, you know, my studies have shown and based upon this latest thing and, you know, this is why this is the best technique and here's all the statistics to back it up. Um, and again, the, the, the potential client isn't there. The potential client really wants to connect with you, even on a, you know, even on something like hiring a plumber or, you know, hiring something that you wouldn't think of as being an emotional decision. Ultimately, we want to work with people that we like and that we have a connection to. And, you know, people make most of their buying decisions. Even when we think we're being very rational, we make our buying decisions based predominantly on uh, emotional triggers. And so a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of marketing in a a more intellectual way, um, trying to emphasize credentials and, you know, tactics and techniques and proven methods. And uh, when really you need to be connecting with your audience on a more emotional level, Um, you need to be marketing yourself as a brand, as a person, and as a you know somebody that someone can connect to emotionally. Which leads to the third thing, which is even if you're willing to do that, that becomes really scary. Uh, in order to connect with people emotionally, we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Um, it's our vulnerability, our shared vulnerability as human beings that allow us to connect on that kind of level. You think about it, if you, if you meet somebody new and you really hit it off, um, and you, you start to get closer and closer, you know, whether it's over an afternoon or over the days that you, you, you know, keep being in each other's presence, you probably find in your life, like as you get to know and trust the person more and more, you start to bond usually over kind of vulnerable things, your failures, your fears, things like that. And that's what makes, you know, that's how we build good friends. You know, you, you, you start to open up to these people and it's, it's true. It's the same way in the, in the business world. We need to open up emotionally more. I'm not saying bury your heart and cry, you know, cry and bleed all over the the page or the podcast, but um, you know, we need to be more human and, and a little more, Um, not overly emotional, but a little more emotional to allow people to connect with us. And that is scary. And, and, um, and also counter to what many people think they say, business is business. It's unemotional. It's not about personality or people or whatever. And from a marketing standpoint, that's just simply not true. Yeah, that makes sense to me because I know that like even posting 
I can actually hear the, I can hear the echo now for oh, you okay. and for me. I don't know how, let's see. Um, hold on one second. Let me, no, we got echo cancellation. Phone. Here, I'm, I'm going to do some testing. Oh, no, I'm okay. still hearing the echo. I moved my mic way away from my speaker to see if that made any difference. I don't think it's coming from my computer into my microphone. Okay. I think it's just a weird, it's, it may just be a weird connection digital, you know, like like sometimes on a phone call you hear an echo. Yeah. Um, okay. Um Shit, I had another thought. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll start over where I was. <laughs> My editor can fix this for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes to being more open and um, vulnerable, for me, even just like on my personal social media stuff, because I'll po- I try to post different things um, from a like, hey, you can do it. You can get out there standpoint. Like I do a lot of different activities. I golf, I play tennis, um, I lift weights, I do spin class, like all kinds of stuff. And so the posts where I'm sharing something that was um, extra tough. Like I shared one about, it was a picture of me at the gym and a picture of my alarm clock. Cause I get up at four and four thirty in the morning to go um, lift. And wow, I was just, you. <laughs> yeah, I wish you. I had that, that kind of willpower. I'm, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been a long journey. Like I was not, a, I have not been a morning person for the previous 36 something years of my life. <laughs> like this has been, been a lot of work um but i think that's part of it right is like the, the whole message that i want people to know is that you can do anything that you want to do it, it yeah. takes time it takes effort it takes dedication if you want something bad enough you can get whatever the hell it is it doesn't matter like you could be an astronaut if you really want to right now like um and so it's those kinds of things and it's hard because like i can do that kind of stuff one-on-one i love having deep insightful conversations with people i like getting into the nitty-gritty of like feelings in life and experiences. I've learned more from the networking that I've done in the last year and a half than I have in all the therapy I've ever had combined because it's just, it's the shared experiences and being able to relate to somebody and learn from their lessons and all of that kind of stuff. As I'm saying this, I'm like, holy shit, you should have been doing this the whole time. Um, (laughs) But like, for example, when I get going about leadership too, like I can talk, I'm super passionate about leadership, employee engagement, um, those kinds of things. But anyway, so back to my original point, like the uh, sharing those kinds of things in the, and the caption was super short. It was just like the days when it's really hard to get up are the ones that are the most satisfying because that was how I felt. And that was how I talked myself into getting out of bed. Cause I really didn't want to, I was like, yeah. man, just sleep in. It's fine. And I was like, sister, this is not how you get what you want. Like you cannot be shredded if you don't go to the gym. Like I mean, maybe you can, but, um, if you don't lift weights, so, um, yeah, so that was the post that I shared that one got a ton, like tons of likes, tons of comments. And a couple of people were like, I'm so glad you posted this because I wasn't going to go to the gym today. And I was like, you're welcome. Like that's, that's literally why I posted is to be like, Hey, you can do shit too. Like you got to get up, um, and do the thing, whatever the thing is, it doesn't have to be that it can be whatever your version of, of this, of the the gym. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, so I, a great, a great example is is, uh, you know, I this is not somebody I was working with, but a but a you know a, a colleague that I was speaking with. We were talking marketing, and um, 
she is a personal trainer. I work with a lot of sport and fitness professionals and she's a personal trainer. And, uh, you know, we were talking about marketing and I was, I was talking about my, um, you know, I, I, I have a, a philosophy that, that we really need to market our failures. You know, most people think, okay, you market your strengths. You talk about all the awards you've won and like, I can lift a million pounds. And, you know, that's what gets me, let's say, a personal training client. The fact that, you know, I lift a million pounds. So you should come and train with me because I'll teach you how to lift a million pounds too, right? But in actuality, like it's so often it's it's actually the opposite. And so, you know, we were having this conversation. She's like, yeah, the other day I... I had a horrible workout. She was doing one of the big three or something. I, I, I can't remember if she was like squatting or if she was deadlifting or whatever she was doing. She just just didn't have it that day. You know what I mean? Like just couldn't even get close to like the, you know, the end of whatever her workout was and just quit and gave up in the middle and was, was a, very emotional about it. And she literally, you know, like dropped down onto the floor, leaning, leaning back against the bench and started crying and then God knows how she did it, but she had the presence of mind to actually pull out her phone and snap a picture of herself while she was like, I mean, I'm sure she had kind of finished crying by this point, but like snapped a picture of herself, like basically just having cried because, she, you know, just wasn't able to do what she wanted to do in the gym. And she posted that and was basically like, I can't remember now what her, you know, caption was, but clearly the message was like, you know, yeah, even your trainer has days like this, right? Like that's, we yeah. all, it's not, we're not always lifting a million pounds, right? So, and that, for her, it just blew up. And it's that kind mm -hmm. of, that's what I mean by being emotional. It's not like, you know, you have to get out there and tell the story about how you were, your parents gave you up for adoption and you like felt, you know, abandoned your whole life or whatever. I mean, you could, that, that might, you know, if, if that, for some reason might have relevance to your customers or you have the type of customer that like wants to bond on that level, which some people might, if they're like, I don't know, like energy workers, massage therapists, like yeah. other therapists, right. That might be, that might be something to talk about. But you know, if you're a personal trainer, that's probably not what you're going to be talking about, but you do want to talk about the days that you fail to lift the weight and not just like, just barely fail, but like totally fail. Like just, yeah you know, feel like a total failure and you're break down crying or you have a hissy fit, and you're screaming and yelling or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, roid raging without the roids. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what your, that's what your client, your potential clients want to hear because that's where your potential clients are, right? Like they wouldn't be coming to you for training if like, if, if everything was daisies and they were hitting all their lifts and they were gaining well, right? Like, you know, somebody's not coming to you for tax advice because their taxes are just golden, right? They're, they're coming to you because there's like, there's either a mess or they're, they're pretty convinced there will be a mess if they don't get some help. And so you talking about personally having experienced that mess or helped other people through that mess, even if you haven't personally experienced it, right? That like, that's a, that's a huge selling point to a lot of customers because they wanna know that you get where they are. They wanna know that they're, you're not gonna walk in there and they're gonna tell you their struggle. And, and then whether it's a tax professional that's like, well, dummy, why didn't you file the XYZ? 
or like a personal trainer that's going to be like, dude, why are you so skinny? Why are you not lifting up? Or, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to be yeah. judged. They want, yeah. they want to know that you get where they're coming from and the struggles that they're going through and that they're real struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's actually one reason. So my, my coach, um, she lost 150 pounds and uh, then started powerlifting and is now trying to do, uh, or she's working on bodylifting training, but she still has um, a ton of like extra skin and stuff. So at some point she'll have to have surgery for it to actually be able to compete in bodybuilding, but she's still training for bodybuilding as though um, she's ready. For, you know what I mean? Like, in right. That's great. Physical condition. Yeah. And like, that was one of the things I was like, Oh, she actually gets it. It's not one of these, chad's at the gym sorry if your name is chad but uh who's you know just always been yoked like he played sports in high school he's never been fat he doesn't understand and they're just like eat a bunch of chicken and lift weights and you'll be fine you know like he gets the the deeper struggle of what it's like to be overweight and going to the gym and being intimidated and how hard the food part is and all that kind of stuff so talking to her is is a totally different conversation she actually does a really good job of she, she does a lot of like, um, this is where I came from. This is where I am now. Um, lost a ton of weight, got super skinny, wanted to build uh, muscle. Um, yeah. So I think she does really good, but that was one of the reasons why I connected with her is like, Oh, she's, she's not just another like super buff person who doesn't have metabolism problems or whatever. Right. And and, you know, like from a marketing standpoint, like you, you can't, obviously you can never, you, you can't say never and you can't say always, you can't say all, or you can't say none. Right. But in general, like, let's say somebody wants help with their social media marketing. They want to like, you know, get good at Instagram because they rightly or wrongly are convinced that getting good at Instagram is going to help their business. Well, they, they probably don't want to get help from some like, you know, practically could have been a supermodel Instagram influencer. That's like, well, yeah, you just take pictures of yourself in the cute top and then, and then you get a lot of likes, right? Yeah. Cause you're like, yeah. well, okay. Yeah. But that's not me. Like I, yeah, that's like, I get it. You're very successful at what you do, but like, you don't understand my struggle because I'm not just going to, Oh, I can put my cutest top on and, take pictures of myself and then it's not going to generate it. The kind of likes you're yeah. getting. Right. So, yeah. you know, you know, the flip side of that is like you brought, brought up Chad and again, apologies to any Chad's out there, but you know, not only is there a trainer Chad, but there are client Chad's right. And the client Chad doesn't want to hear your coach's story about, right. Because like, yeah, because client Chad can't relate to that. Right. But like, yeah. Client Chad can relate to personal trainer Chad, and that's that's great. They, you know, so so personal trainer Chad should tell his story about always being yoked and, but like he's yeah. got struggles too. Like he's he's got struggles that it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm always eating chicken, but my friends are eating pizza or some or I don't know, right? Like, yeah. you know, like I'm a great looking guy, so you know, all the guys and ladies want to party with me, but I I can't party as hard because I I, I got to wake up and lift or I don't know, but like then other yeah. people that are in that same space, they get it. And then, mm-hmm. so they're like, all right, let's work together. You get where I'm at. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, like you said, it's there's still sacrifice. Like I have a buddy who is um, super yoked, as I said, uh, to throw back to the '90s, but. Um, he it's diesel. it takes dedication. So yeah, diesel. <laughs> uh, so if he ever quits with his particularly his food regimen, he yeah. gains weight like that. And right. so like that's one of those things. He's naturally built to just. I mean, he comes from good farm stock, is what he says. He's an ectomorph, like, so he's, he just <laughs> yeah. he can he can gain 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 like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, so he has to be super diligent. Otherwise, he. I mean, he gets a little extra chubby around the middle. But like, no, you know. That's his thing. But that's one of those things that would be like, you know, client Chad would be like, oh, yeah, bro. Like, I have to give up my pizza. God, <laughs> rough. And beer. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, so um, how do people kind of figure out what that is? Like, as far as their what's their authentic, vulnerable message? Like, where do you kind of start to unravel that for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. I, there's a number of ways to get at that. I think one really good way is um, it's to think in stories and, you know, as human beings, we, we are, we have evolved, you know, we, we have evolved to think in stories and, uh, you know, look at everything we do, you know, like not every song, but, you know, songs are stories, books obviously are stories, movies are stories, everything's stories, you know, gossip is stories. I, I you know, Communication is all built around stories, but then when, you know, I touched on this earlier, then, then people start talking about their business. They want to get like very technical, like they're not trying to be dry, but they, they want to like, I'm, I'm an expert. So let me kind of show off all my expertise to you. There's no real story to that. Right. And so, you know, people start to think about, well, how am I going to be vulnerable? I don't like, I don't know. How do I like, uh, where do I start? It's like, okay, well, what kind of stories do you tell? You know, and, and, you know, maybe just, just figure out the stories that you tell, like, rather than saying like, okay, well, you know, I, here's the truth about me. I suffer from depression and anxiety. So I have stories around depression and anxiety. So maybe I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should talk about depression and anxiety. And then I wrap my brain for stories around that. Like that can work. But a better way to do it is just to come up, what are the stories that you tell? You know, what are the stories that you go tell when you go to parties? What are the stories that you tell when you go to networking events? What are the stories that you tell when you meet people? What are those stories that you've like, you know, your friends are like, you never told me that, or, oh, I've heard one, this one a million times or something. You know, get them all down, just you know, vomit them out and get them all down. You don't have to write them, but like, you know, give them a title or whatever. Write them down on a, on a you know, legal pad or something and come up with as many as you can. And then think about them, and you know, like start crossing them out. And you're like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not talking about my parents' divorce. That's just not something I'm going to talk about or something. Right. So you, you get rid of the ones that you're just like, I, I'm, there's no way I'm talking about them. Then you look at the rest of them. What, do, what have I got to work with? And then maybe you say, oh, well, depression and anxiety. There's a lot of people that even if they're not clinically depressed or suffering from generalized anxiety, like people are anxious about their business. They could probably relate like that could be a point of connection and relation, right? Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not the depression and the anxiety. Maybe it's, man, I have a lot of stories about competing in, in Spartans and Tough Mudders and going to the gym and doing kettlebell swings and stuff. So maybe I'm going to, maybe I'll, I'll talk about competition related things and sports related things. There's a lot of people that can relate to that. 
maybe my market is sports like mine is a large part of my market sports and fitness people but maybe it's just you know entrepreneurs are competitive a lot of them are former athletes or still are athletes like okay maybe there's something i can work with there i've got some stories that i can tell i can tell about the time i cost the team the win because whatever or maybe i can talk about the time that i made the shot that you know that won us the game like there you know you can start mining like your the stories of your mm-hmm. business life and of just of your your you know your life as a whole um and that can be a really effective way to do it because ultimately when you're you know, a great way, you know, people connect really well through stories. And again, to go back to that discussion, you start start making friends with somebody stuck in an airport in a long layover and you start chatting with somebody at the bar or whatever. And, you know, it's not like there's no agenda that's not going anywhere. You're not trying to pick each other up. You're just like passing the time and you really hit it off and you start, start telling stories about each other's kids and about work. And you find out that you you know, whatever, have some similarities from high school and you laugh about things and you swap stories back and forth. And that's very helpful in, in marketing and in selling to people. You know, it's, it's, um, those stories form a real shorthand. They allow people to really see themselves in the thing that you're talking about. You know, so I, I have a client who is a sports psychologist. He works with high school, uh, aged girls who are very competitive athletes that are looking to go, you know, like scholarship to D1 schools and stuff like that. So, you know, she's talking about a lot of fear of failure, about uh, having confidence in, in oneself, um, in uh, resilience when there's setbacks and stuff. So she can tell a, a story about each one of those things rather than talking about the science behind this or the statistics of X number of young women or blah, blah, blah tell a story about somebody who let fear get in their way or overcame their fear. Tell a story about, you know, a young woman being resilient or lacking resilience and the lack of resilience holding her back. And then, you know, her, you know, her actual paying clients are the parents. So then the parent can like hear that story and say, Oh my God, that's my daughter. Like that's that, that happened to her. Like, you know, you could have been telling her story that makes them much more likely to want to, to buy into a program like that, right? Now they're, now they're not thinking about the dollars and the cents and the facts and the figures and how long is the program and how many X's do I get and how many Y's do you provide? They're thinking about that emotional story. They're seeing their daughter in it and they're hearing like, oh, and I can help. And then they want to buy, you know, they want to enroll and they want to enroll their, their daughter in that program and get their daughter that help. Yeah, I was just thinking that that's um, my most successful, I mean, non-sales sales pitches, I guess, um, is just telling stories of different clients that I've helped in different ways, pretty much exactly like that, where I'm like, mm-hmm. I helped a commercial construction um, owner do blah, blah, blah. And I explain all the different things and they're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. That sounds like something that I could need or that um, that I might need help with or just, yeah, it just kind of depends. Like it, it's all kind of talking to them, figuring out their story and then sharing something that relates to them. So like, as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, there's so many different ways that I could do this, especially like on social media too, where it's, that's a little bit more challenging for me anyway. Cause again, I get most of my connections like one-on-one, but 
those kind of conversations always go well because I'm able to tell that person a specific story that connects with them directly. Sure. Um, but then it's just kind of like on the, the grander scale. And even like when you're talking about, um, you know, parents relating or anything like that, like that's how, man, if, if they had taught school with TV shows, <laughs> I would have learned <laughs> so much more uh, because I love that stuff. Like the history I love the stories of the people. And so, um, God, yeah, I could never remember the dates and like, you know, when something blew up and when ships went to one place from another, like any of that kind of stuff. But it's like, if you, if I read a book or watched a movie or something, um, everything stands out. Cause it's like, you're, you're in the story. So I'm like, right. There's a, if I could that way. <laughs> there's a, there's a drama and a human element, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just, I, so much of it, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's such a simple thing that it doesn't sound useful. But if you can just keep coming back to the human elements in your marketing and, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I told a client that uh, she needed to use more people in her her marketing imagery. You know, I mean, this is like that's one of the things like you were talking about. It's like, well, doesn't everybody know that type of thing? Like that's a, that's such, that's a, such a kind of low hanging fruit. Right. But there's plenty of people that aren't thinking that way. You know, they're using their, they like they spent a lot of money having somebody design a fancy logo for them. So they're like really putting their logo out there or some, you know, abstract thing that like hints at whatever they're, you know, they're a tech company. So it's got some techie looking thing or they're, you know, whatever. It's like, no, like put, put a person in there, put a person doing the thing that, you know, you're a, again, I keep going back to like, cause I, I feel like it, it is an easy thing that people can relate to, but you know, you go back to the tech tax consultant. It's like would somebody sitting at a desk, like struggling over taxes or something, but you want the, one of the things about putting a person on there is you want to either be able to see their eyes or you want to see if there's like multiple people, you want to see them looking at each other. You want to see connection. And, and so anyway, so the, I, I tell this client like, okay, so find this type of image and put it on there. She went out, found a great image, put it on there. And then she, you know, I, I was like, look, you know, drop the opacity back or put like a, you know, a darker, like, you know, like kind of gel effect over it, like in lighting, you know, like put some, gray it back so it's not jumping out at you so that you so that the people can read the important like copy that you've got there the name of your program and like who it's for or whatever and she did that but she the way that she placed the copy it was right across the the person's you know she that this great picture of a person and then the copy went right across the person's eyes so it's oh, like you yeah. could see it was a face of a person and you could you understood what they were doing but like you couldn't connect with that person because you couldn't look them in the eyes because there were words right across their eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ended up just saying there were a few other tweaks that she really needed to make to, to the things she was working on. And I was like, well, look, just give me your password. Let me go in and I'll make the changes. And then I'll explain, like, you can see the two and I'll, then I'll explain like why I did what I did because it'll take me a long time to try to like, un- you know, like I have to use a lot of words to, to explain why you need to do what you were doing. Right. But like something that simple makes a huge difference. It's like, look, you need to be able to see the person's eyes 
that's what you want to be connecting to in the image. And therefore, you should arrange your, your text in such a way that like the text drives your attention towards those eyes, right? So that like the text is bracketing the eyes, not like, you know, not like this, but, you know, like this or whatever, right? So rather than explain that all to her, I did it. And then when she saw it, I was like, do you see what I'm doing? And it's like, she basically got it and explained it to me. But it's so easy to not do those things. And and what it what it boils down to is, you know, so often we're not thinking about the human connection. When we're marketing, right, we're selling. We're selling person to person. People buy from people much more than they buy from companies, right? You're marketing person to person. You're relating person to person. And, you know, even if you're image. You know, even if your product is a toaster or something, you need to add that human element into it and and be thinking in those terms. Not everything, not every piece of collateral material you produce is going to be an image of a person. You need to have an image of your toaster or the image of the airbags in the car that you're, you know, that you're selling or whatever. But you need to always have in mind, like, how does this relate on a on a human level? Like, where's the humanity in this? And that will make yeah. your, your um, you know, to get back to the question you asked a while ago, like, how do you, how do you pick the thing to be vulnerable about? How, how, you know, what, what do you talk about? What do you, you know, what things are you going to reach out to your, your client about? Well, what, what's freaking your client out? You know, oh no, the IRS is going to audit me and I'm going to owe a bunch of taxes that I don't have the money to pay. Oh no, my daughter's not going to get the scholarship to, college and I'm going to have to pay out of, or she's going to have to go into huge debt or I'm going to have to pay. And that means we're going to have to sell the, you know, vacation home or, you know, whatever. I mean, everybody's got some human worry and that's what you need to be talking to them about. Yeah. No, that's great. Cause I, it's so funny too, cause you're talking about the, the like website and stuff too. Cause I have a client that um, it's a, a real estate brokerage. And so the whole, like, we're doing this huge, like, video campaign because on the website, I'm like, we need to have you guys. Like, no one gives a shit about your real estate website. It looks the same as everything else. It looks, right. it has houses and a mortgage calculator and uh, how much is my home worth and um, a way for them to look up houses. But I'm like, the thing that, especially with real estate agents and like you said, like fitness trainers, anybody that's in that, like, service-based um, space in particular, you have to have that piece. And so I was like, ah, so I can do it for them. I just can't do it for me. Like this is, cause that's what we're doing. We're in this whole like, and customer testimonials, but we're also, um, being real and funny and swearing. And, uh, oh, nice. we have like blooper reels and stuff. Is it like, we even do it with the listing videos and stuff. So they'll do a listing video. And then at the end of it, we have the blooper reel from, <laughs> from all this. It's, hilarious. Uh, I mean, maybe it's funny to me because I know them, but it's like nobody's doing that, right? Because to your whole point, it's like being vulnerable. So like, hey, I got it for them. I just have to figure it out for me now, Seth. Like, right? Oh, oh, I'm my, uh, I am by far my worst client, so I'm no yeah. judgment Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible at taking my own advice, but um, yeah, but that, it just, it made me think of a good example to like kind of share with people, like something like that where um, it, the industry is the way that it is. And a lot of people do things the same way because it's the way that it's always been done, but we're adding this like super raw, authentic, um, version of us where it's like, Hey, we're people. And, um, 
this is what we do. And, and these are our clients and our clients drink beer and swear and, uh, you know, like make uh, inappropriate jokes about smoking weed on the camera. <laughs> it's just like, oh, but uh, that's the people who the people who want to work with them are going to work with them because like that's Correct. what the website's going to be. It's all focused on them, their clients, their um, the unique style of of each person shows up in in everybody's individual videos and stuff so like that's the stuff that's going to be like hey if i stumble across this website i can look up mls listings but also these people are kind of funny like i kind of want to hang out with them you know <laughs> well and you're gonna right so, exactly and like if anybody who's you know bought a house or sold a house or whatever you're gonna have to deal with your your realtor a lot you know you might yeah. as well be somebody that you actually enjoy those exchanges with that you enjoy the time that you have to spend together or the time on the phone that you're going to have to spend with them. And again, that's it. It's like, here's the thing there, you know, yes, there let's use personal trainers as an example. Again, there are some personal trainers that are better than other personal trainers. Of course, just like anything else, some barbers that are better than other barbers, but by and large, there's not a huge difference between personal trainers. You know what I mean? Like particularly for like the vast majority of people who are just basically looking to like get, you know, like stay fit or get fit or lose that 20 pounds or the 30 pounds, right? Like there's not like, you could probably just randomly pick any of them. You walk into a gym and there's, they have like six personal trainers on staff. You could probably randomly pick one of the six and that person would do an okay job for you. But now who are you really going to enjoy working with, right? And that's what is going to differentiate all of those six trainers. They're, you know, they're each going to have slightly different methodologies. Maybe one's really into kettlebells and the other one's really into plyometrics and, you know, whatever. But, like, the, the, the reality is, is that, like, and this is no insult towards personal trainers, same is true of marketers, we're largely interchangeable, but like, who do you really want? Who are you going to enjoy doing business with? And who have you who have you established like some kind of personal connection with? And to you know to 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 add a, a piece to an answer to a question you asked me a long time ago, which is like what you know like what stops people from you know getting their message out the way that they should or something like that or you know have, or figuring out what their proper message is, you know, one of the a huge mistake that like almost most people, you know, almost all people make is just chasing too much business. You're like, well, I've got a, I've got a new restaurant. A lot of restaurants fail. Uh, I'm, a, I'm freaked out about failing. And if I open up an Italian food restaurant, then, like, if somebody wants sushi or, like, Chinese food or steak and potatoes, they're not going to come to my Italian restaurant. And if I open up a Chinese restaurant, it's the same. So I'll just open up a food restaurant. And you're like, well, great. Well, oh, cool. You opened up a restaurant. What, kind, what, do, you, what, what do you serve? Uh, food. What kind of food? Yeah, just food, man. I, I serve all kinds of food. Anybody that likes food, they can come in and I serve them food. And so many business owners do that same thing. You're like, well, I'm a personal trainer. Well, who do you work with? I, you know, anybody that wants to like get fit. Well, I don't know. Do you work with like mostly men? Mostly, I don't care. Any, well, like really athletic people or like elderly, but no, anyone, I don't care. An elderly person, a high school kid. It's like, no, you can't. 
that's a food that's a food restaurant. You can't have a food restaurant. You have to have, you know, an Italian food restaurant. And and the reality is is there are so many people out there that want Italian food that Italian food restaurants can survive. And there's so many people out there that want Chinese food restaurants that Chinese food restaurants can survive. And there's so many people out there that want realtors that drink beer and swear and make jokes about about marijuana that that a, a realtor a, a, you know a realty group like that can survive. The reality is that ninety percent of the market is not going to want to do business with them, but ten percent of the market is still so huge that they can easily get by. So, like, don't try to be attractive to everybody out there. You'll get nowhere. You've got to figure out who your little slices that you're going to market to. To go back to the example of the of the sports. Um, a psychologist that I work with, she she started out serving 12 to 25-year-olds. And right off the bat, I was like, I don't mean to offend, you know, like, like I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a lot of criticism early on, but this is all like, you know, meant to be positive criticism. But I was like, come on, 12 to 25-year-olds, I get it. I, I, you know, don't turn any money away. But a 12-year-old athlete and a 25-year-old athlete have absolutely nothing in common. You cannot have a program that appeals to a 12-year-old and a 25-year-old. It's just, think about it for a second. She's like, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, like, when somebody says it to you, you're like, yeah, okay. damn, that makes perfect sense. But almost nobody comes to that conclusion on their own. Because they're like, why would I, if a 12-year-old wants to work with me, why wouldn't I take their money? If a 25-year-old wants to work with me, why wouldn't I take their money? Like, well, you would. But you're going to market to college, you're going to market to high school girls looking to play at a high level in college. And if somebody's like, well, my kid's only, you know, in seventh grade, you're like, all right, I'll work with her. I mean, if, if you want to, if you think she'd be a good fit. And if somebody's in college, you'd be like, okay, sure, I'll take your money. I'll work with you because I, I know I can help you. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to market to you because, like, it would totally muddy my marketing towards my core target market, which is those high school students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the scary thing for a lot of people. I mean, myself included when it comes to like the concept of a niche is like, that doesn't mean that you can never help anyone outside of the niche. It just means that that's kind of who your go-to is. Um, yeah. I work with people outside me have more all the more? time, but I, mm-hmm. I but I don't advertise that I do. I mean, like, obviously I just said that I did it. It's not advertising that I did it, but that I do it. But like, you know, if I, you know, if I start, if somebody asks me what I do and I start telling them about all the, you know, I, I work per, primarily with health sports and, and, and fitness professionals and this is what I do for them. And they're like, oh man, I really need somebody to help me do, with that. I have XYZ business. And you're like, all right, well, let's talk. I mean, let's, let's have a conversation. If at the end of the conversation, like you think, it feels good and you, you know, like you feel like I could help you and I feel like, yeah, I could help you then, then let's do it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not, you know, but if that person is a, you know, if that person is a, is a, I don't know, like a, a restaurant consultant or something, you know, I, I help people design restaurants. I'm not going to then like start running YouTube ads for restaurant. Like I help restaurant consultants. It, it, you know, that would make no sense for me. That would be a total waste of my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I get that. Um, what do you think when it comes to social media, what do people make the most mistakes 
with their as far as like their messaging and stuff? Um, I, in terms of their messaging, I would say the the biggest mistake that people make in social media. Well, I'll say there's two. The first mistake, and so many people make this mistake, is they get stingy with their information. They feel like this is, they feel like, well, you know, like I want you to pay me for that information, so I'm not going to give it away to you on social media. Whereas generally, and again, you can never say always and never, and you know, generally the exact opposite happens. If you give away a bunch of stuff for free, I mean, you're giving, you're giving like tiny tidbits away for free. You're not giving the whole program away, you know, all at once. You might give your whole program away over the course of a year, a little tiny tidbit at a time. But the reality is nobody's going to go and assemble all of those social media posts and have your whole program. But over the time, they're going to get, you know, like some of your some of your information that you've given out for free. And they're going to say, well, if this is what you get for free, imagine what you would get if paid. And then they will come and they will pay you for your for your expertise. Um, If you if you get too cutesy about like, I'll only give you half the answer. A lot of times, you know, the people that are that are on the ball enough to understand what you're doing, get pissed. They're like, come on, man, like. You're going to like tease me with half the answer and now I got to go pay you for the other half the answer. That's just kind of, I don't know about you, that frustrates the hell out of me, particularly when it, when Mm -hmm. I know it's not like they're not giving me the secret to making a million dollars. They're, they're giving me the secret to having, you know, a slightly better profile photo on my social media or whatever, but they don't want to give me the whole answer because you got to pay me for that. That's in my program. That's part of my program. It's like, whatever. It's one tiny part of your program. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is just not being, um, yeah, not being vulnerable enough, not being uh, authentic enough, not having fun and taking risks with it. Um, you know, don't be risk averse, go out there, try new things, be willing to fail. You know, if you're doing social media, right. You're posting frequently. It's not like you have to post every day, but you're going to post a lot of times over the course of the year. If a few of them are stinkers, even if like you know, even if you're you've got two or three stinkers a month, like that's just noise in the larger body of work that you're putting out. So play around with it. You know, be be willing to step outside the norm of what you see everybody else doing, because the worst thing you can do in a sense, like obviously you want to look at what's working and try to learn from that and copy that to an extent. But the worst thing you can do is like go and find like the two or three like biggest influences in your space and then just do exactly what they're doing. Because it's, you know, it's not going to be authentic. You're going to be in a way almost like building their brand. So I don't know about you. I see it all the time, right? Like I, you know, like somebody big in my space, I see their stuff all the time. Maybe I follow them. I mean, I, I have coaches, right? I'm a coach and I have coaches that I work with, right? So it's like maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm clearly following my coaches and I see my coach and he's got a certain look. And then all of a sudden I see, you know, I start getting ads from somebody else in the space and it's like a direct knockoff of my coach's stuff or something. And it's like, oh yeah, you're just, you're just copying him. You've just made me think of him. 
That's mm-hmm. not what you want. You know, you don't want to be yeah. making your, your potential customers think of somebody else. It's like, oh, you know that comedian? He's a lot like Eddie Murphy. Well, that sucks for that comedian. Like, you don't want to be a lot like yeah. Eddie Murphy. You want to be your own thing, right? You know, like, because why not just go hire Eddie Murphy then? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, I think there's some of that too, like when there's the like trends that come up and uh, then people start getting FOMO and they go, yeah. oh, it's cool to swear in my videos and swear in all my social media now. Um, so then there was like, I feel like there was a rash of that for like, uh, maybe like a year, year and a half ago, where it was like the whole authentic messaging thing started coming out, but it was, it was like, it's cool to swear. So then people who don't normally swear in everyday conversation are trying to drop F bombs, like in every sentence. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, it sounds so weird and it's not genuine. And quite frankly, it doesn't actually happen like that. I like, for me, I swear regularly. It's uh, it's one of my favorite hobbies, but I don't write, I don't write like that. You know, I'm like it's a different style of communication. Sure. I, I right. swear in video sometimes, but um, yeah, I'm just like, man, like you're trying too hard. It just seems super fake, and you don't have to say it in every freaking sentence either. Like that's it loses the value of the f word if you just use well, it all the time. It's not as emphatic. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. And, and it works for Gary V because that's Gary V. Mm-hmm. But if you try to and be Gary, Gary, if you try to be Gary V, all you, all that does is you're like, oh, this this person reminds me of Gary V, or they're trying too hard to be Gary V, and now I'm thinking about Gary Vaynerchuk. So mm-hmm. how, you know, you haven't helped yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I probably can't. I can't afford to work with Gary Vaynerchuk, so maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm, you're not going to lose my business to Gary V. But like, you're not necessarily going to get my business because you've tried to be Gary V. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I didn't even really think about that. That that's probably where it's coming from too, because so many people are doing that. And I think people get so obsessed too with just being like, "This is what this person's doing," and so it just it gets overwhelming, you know, because people will be like, "Oh, I just saw this. I listened to this podcast from this guy, and he says that you have to post three times a day." And I was like, "I mean, you can. I can tell you from personal experience that you don't have to, and you probably shouldn't, because you're actually going to be super annoying." Um, but it works yeah. because that kind of stuff works. Like if you if you are in people's faces all the time, then yes, they will see your stuff, and eventually, some people will buy from you. Right. But I don't think that that's the best way to do it. In my, <laughs> that's just how I my approach, you know. No, and it, it it also depends on what you're posting. You know, if you have real value, I mean, here's another big mistake that I think a lot of mm-hmm. people, yeah. a lot of people make in their social media, and they and they make it even, you know, it's even worse when people do, uh, you know, PR. It's like, oh, here's my latest press release. I, I had carrots for lunch today and then if you you know if you ever worked like you know i worked in in agencies that were marketing and pr and then and then the client is like yeah so go get me some news stories about the fact that we had carrots for lunch today and you're like nobody cares that's not the only person that cares that that you had carrots for lunch today is like you and maybe your doctor and your mom now if there's like you know if, if you are like a, uh, you know, a private school headmaster and like, 
we can show that like suddenly it's a trend for all private school headmasters to have carrots for lunch. Like now there's a story there. Like, look at this is a broader trend. But like mm-hmm. you, the individual having carrots is an, is, is an, is, that's a giant nothing burger. And people do that all the time in their social media. Like they post stuff where it's like, I don't care about that. That's not newsworthy. There's no value. You, you, you like I'm your follower and your potential client. You've, you've given me new value with your post today. It doesn't even really make me connect with you, like get to know you better, right? But it, it, like, yeah. to, to, to play the devil's advocate to your point, and I, would, I don't recommend that people post three times a day, but if you were giving solid value three times a day, then hell yeah, post three times a day. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it would get annoying because any time, like, first of all, we all know that, like, let's say Facebook, like, only 10% of your followers are going to see your posts. So if you're posting three times a day, like, maybe 30% of your followers see it, and probably very few of them have seen all three have seen two of them, never mind all three. But even if they were seeing all three, like if all three of them were good, solid, juicy, valuable content, well, great. But it's annoying when it's like, all right, well, I got to figure out something to do for my third post today. And then that's like the post that you're, you know, your, your, your client ends up seeing the two like filler posts and they miss the one value post that you're posting a day. You know, don't mm-hmm. post something that's not going to add value. And that and that gets back to what I was saying. It's like, give your stuff away. Like, actually provide value to people, right? Like, most, I don't know most, but like many and probably most successful, really successful business people, whether they're a restaurateur, giving away a moose-bouche before the like appetizer course even comes out, or it's just like, it's the people that give you a little bit extra. You know, like to the restaurant analogy, hey, you guys, you were great customers, here's a free dessert or something like that, right? It's like when, when people give you something, you really like them and you want to give them back something. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe what I can give you back is my business. You've given me free tips that have really helped me, but I'm still in the market for more help. So, hell, why I'm going to give you my business, not that other person that kept telling me to the second part of the answer, come pay me for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, 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 you know, in your social media, be you be entertaining, you know, connect with people, but like all of that, there should be some, you know, there should be value to that. There should be a value to that connection. There should be a value to that. You're not being, you're not being um, vulnerable for the sake of just being vulnerable. If I'm talking about my struggles with depression and, and anxiety, it's because I'm hoping, because I've learned lessons, you know, I've learned how to to be better, how to like work through the depression and the anxiety. I've learned that I can still be successful and stuff like, so, Hey, if you're, if you're feeling these things too, you can do it. Here are some tips for you. Here's some ways that you can work with this, right? I can be vulnerable and add value at the same time. And now you probably, you know, some people are going to be like, Oh, you know, even though you're Gen X, you're like a millennial, weepy, emotional <laughs> person or something. 
But other people are going to be like, hey, I totally get it. Like I've been there or my sister or brother was there or whatever. Like I appreciate speaking out about those things. Those are important things to speak out about. And those were those were very valuable lessons that you taught. And, then, and so, you know, there's a there's a there's a, a feeling of closeness and appreciation. There's a feel feeling of, oh, you've actually helped me. You've given me value. Clearly, you know what you're talking about. You've demonstrated that you actually can provide value as a coach, right? Like there's a lot of reasons to be doing that. And so, you know, just make sure your posts are, are there's got to be value in it. And the and mm-hmm. it's got to be real value, you know, like a lot of, a lot of personal trainers will think they're providing value and they're like, here's the way to properly do a deadlift. Eh. There's, you know, like I could probably, I, I will probably die before I could watch all the YouTube video about how to do a proper deadlift, right? Like I, 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 I would, you know, I could watch it every waking moment until I finally pass from this earth and I will never have seen all the how to watch, how to, how to properly do a deadlift video. So what, what real value is that if you're, if on your like Instagram, you've got like, hey, Come train with me. I know how to do a person, proper deadlift. Or I'm doing a military press, but you know I know how to do a proper deadlift. Like it, it that there's not real value in that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's kind of like the um, it's just so saturated. And there's also this conversation I've had too with uh, my realtor clients is the um, it's assumed that you know how to do a proper deadlift. So I don't really give a shit that you know how to do a proper deadlift. I would hope that you know how to do a proper deadlift. Right. If you're a certified I mean, right. personal, exactly. trainer. personal trainer, right? Yeah. For the love of God. Yeah. And I get like, there's, you know, some people look that like I've Googled because my coach made me a list of stuff and I was like, what the hell is a this? And I, I'm yeah, like, sure. oh, that's what a Romanian deadlift is. I'm like, I've Googled plenty of different lifts and stuff like that before, but um, I'm not looking at, all of, like you said, the endless amount of instructional videos on YouTube of how to do that. Um, and that's not going to sell me on, I'm not going to be like, oh, this guy was breathing really heavy because he was doing it while he was showing. It was really weird. Anyway. Um, no, yeah. yeah I it's mean, like everyone expected that. Like, you, do something you make a very good point. Like, there is, there is value in that for, for that very, okay. What is a Bulgarian split squat? Oh, yeah. well, luckily somebody's posted a video about that. There is value in that. There's yeah. little value in trying to sell your expertise as a trainer, right? You're happy to have found that video, but then you didn't probably say, well, I want to train with this person. Even yeah. if you were in the market for a trainer, you didn't, didn't just then like do a bunch of research to find out like, is, is he or she in my area or, or do they do virtual? Can I, can I, can I get with this person? No. Like you, you were like, Oh yeah. great. Thanks. Now I know how to do this mm-hmm. lift. Um, and so yeah. many people do, you know, I, I'm just using that as an example, but I mean, you know, it's true of, of so many things, so many professions where they end up showing you some, some piece of the puzzle that like really doesn't add much value. Um, and, and they think it's, you know, they think it's value added. It's particularly, it's particularly strong in my, in, you know, in my target area. I mean, personal trainers, running coaches, so on and so forth. And they get all into like their own bodies 
rightfully so. I mean, some of them look absolutely, you know, many, many, many of them look like they came down from Olympus or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sorry, like, you know, the, I appreciate the close in zoom of you doing like mule kicks in your yoga pants, but they don't make me want to hire you as a professional. Like they don't make me not want to hire you as a professional. I'm not saying they make me think less of you, but like I'm not watching that video for learning how to do the exercise reasons, right? Like that's just look at how pretty I am. Look at how handsome I am. And that's not why people want to hire you. And, and you know, mm -hmm. in that, that, you know, in that like fitness arena, it's pretty and handsome, but like, you know, many, you know, many professions have a similar thing. Yeah. You know, like I don't, it's cool that you want a bunch of awards for your copywriting, but I don't know that you folk, you know, like, is your copywriting, are you writing in my industry? Like, are you mm -hmm. priced in my range? Like maybe like probably like the more I hear about all the awards you won, the more I probably think I can't afford you. You know, like, you know, obviously you want to, you don't want to not crow about your award, but like if your posts are all about your wins and just how incredible you are, you're really not doing yourself much of a cert. You know, you're, you're actually doing yourself a distance because you're not, yeah. you're, you're not, I mean, that, that's not a way to connect with people. You should definitely say it, but that should not be the, that's not the meat of your, of your, you know, marketing plate that's like the garnish right and the in the meat has to be yeah. the value the meat has to be you talking about the problems way more than the solutions you know we get it you're struggling with this we get it you're you know you you've tried you've you've bought a zillion programs and you'd hired a bunch of people to help you with your website and your website is still not doing x y and z and you know, and you're, in, you know, whatever, whatever it is that your client is sweating, we get that this is a problem and we have a methodology to, to, you know, solve that problem. You know, send us an email, get on the phone with one of our representatives, whatever, right? Like we understand what you're going through, call us. That's a lot more, that's honestly a lot more helpful. And there's a lot more, in many ways, there's a lot more value in that to a customer for you to clearly identify what their problem is and, and make them understand that they're not alone, that it's not something that they did, that it's a very common thing and that it's a very easy thing to fix. They don't have to continue to sweat about it, that they can just get in touch with you and you will get them hooked up. There's real value there. Um, in, you know, in, again, in just identifying the problem. Mm -hmm. no, that, I like that. Um, talking about the problem, not the solution. I wrote that down too. I was like, oh, that's good. Seth is good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a big one. Uh, yeah. Um, so before we head out of here, uh, a couple other questions for you. So as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself, what advice would you give other business owners about running theirs? I would say, um, 
you know, this this is everybody has a different tolerance for risk, right? And we all are have different depths of pocket. You know, some people have a bigger runway than other people, um, but in general, you know, go big. Uh, don't be risk averse. You know, be willing to take risks. I, you know, I have a, I have something that I try to teach to my clients, and that is, you know, not even don't feel fail, failure, but pursue failure, which seems kind of strange, which I mean, it doesn't seem kind of strange. It seems very, very strange. Why would I pursue failure? But the reality is anybody that's been in business any length of time or knows anybody that's been in business, you know, business is a, is a series, a constant series of small failures. And then, you know, recalibrating and, and readjusting and overcoming those failures, right? Successful businesses are businesses that were resilient, that were able to overcome the failures that some other business was not able to overcome. And and the reality is that one of the one of the biggest ways to hold yourself back in growth, whether that be marketing growth or like, you know, market share growth or whatever the case may be, is in being scared to take the risks that might lead to failure. So if you're worried that something might lead to failure, you know, if it's a failure that's going to put you out of business, that's this is not what I'm talking about. But, you know, smaller failures. If you were like, oh, well, what if this ad campaign flops? Well, you can either like be petrified that it might flop and then run no ad campaign, or you could run a really safe ad campaign that just kind of meh and doesn't do much for you. Or you can just go for it. You'd be like, what if it fails? Oh, okay. There's a possibility of failure. Let's go for it. Right? And then good chance that it doesn't fail. But if it does fail, that's fantastic. You've gone for it. You've gotten the failure out of the way quickly. You can... You can learn from that, you can recalibrate, and you can move on to the next thing. And you're not paralyzed by that fear of failure, and you're not playing in that meh space of, like, not taking you risks. So, you know, push push towards those challenging things where you may not succeed. And then let that, let that you know, that failure, that lack of success push you. Let it fuel your fire to do better the next time and, and keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. Super stage. It's a. Uh, it's one of the things that keeps uh, people from making progress in very many aspects too. It's like the waiting for the perfect plan or the guarantee of success, and it's scary, especially when you're talking about financial investment too. If you're talking about like you know running an ad or something like that and spending the money on your business, it's it's scary sometimes. But um, you have to fail. You have to make mistakes. It's like just scientific fact, I guess, <laughs> you know, it's like right. statistically you're going to make mistakes. So you might as well just do it and, and try new things and, and get out there. Um, Cause if you don't, then you'll never know what you could achieve, I think anyway. So, yeah, well, I, you know, I, there's not a, there's not a perfect through line to this, but I find it interesting that, you know, anybody, obviously you were talking about lifting weights earlier, you know, this many people do, even if they're not like super into fitness or, or athletics, but right, our muscles grow through failure, right? Like your muscles get micro tears, are not able to, to lift the weight at all, or at least not easily lift the weight or run the distance or whatever it may be. Your, your muscles break down. And then because your muscles have, you know, air quotes failed, your body 
says, oh, well, I, you know, I can't, we can't survive by continually failing, so we better build these muscles up stronger. And so you progress through failure. If you never, if your body, if your, your muscles never develop those micro tears, they would never grow stronger. You would never progress if you weren't failing. And, and I think most of us know that in a physical sense, but, you know, somewhat recent studies, um, this isn't like cutting edge, but somewhat recent studies have shown that this is exactly the way that the brain uh, works as well, is that you, you learn best through failure. And they've done studies that show like, let's say you're trying to memorize all 50 state capitals or something like that. So you like, you read the list and you study it, you memorize it, and they give you a test like, you know, an hour later or whatever. And you remember however many states, you remember 36 of the state capitals. And then a day later they test you remember like 30 of the state capitals or something like that. And, you know, the farther out you go, the more and more you forget, forget, right? But what they've shown is that if, if instead like you study it, and instead of testing you like the next day, they give you long enough to, to forget a significant portion of it. That if you they test you then and you fail to remember those things, and then they give you the, they give you the list again and you restudy it, you actually you actually will do better further on down the, like when you, the optimal time to study is once you've forgotten the material. You study something, you give yourself long enough to forget it, and then you study it again. And each time that, that time period gets longer and longer because you remember it better and better each time you study it. So first it's a few days and then it's like ten, five days and then it's a week and then it's like 10 days and two weeks and so on and so forth. But when the mind fails to recall a piece of information, it lays down way more neural connections to that piece of information because of the failure, because it's essentially saying to itself, oh, that, well, I, I guess it was important for us to remember it because we were asked to recall it and we didn't. So we better like, chances are we'll get asked to recall it again. So we better like lay down a bunch of neural connections so we don't forget it next time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you remember it, your brain doesn't really, your brain will, lay down neural connections because they're like, oh, we got, we got asked to recall that information. So I guess it's important, but because you didn't fail at it, like the brain doesn't essentially freak out and say, ah, we better like really concentrate on this. And so anyway, that was, you know, a long geeky explanation of like how the brain learns. Um, but the fact is, is the body grows that way. The mind grows that way. So, you know, that's the way a business should grow. We, 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 we pursue failure and through our failure, we, we actually grow and get better as, as a business or as a business person, as an entrepreneur. Oh, I like that. Pursue failure. Yeah. That's a good, I don't know if that's the episode title, but it's a good, it's on the roster. It's a, it's an option. <laughs> <laughs> right. A good one. Uh, pursue failure and hope perfect. not to catch it. Hope to ha hope to catch yeah. success yeah. while you're pursuing failure. Yeah, see, that's the, the episode titles are tough. Um, so, how do people get in touch with you? What are you? Um, where are you at? How do we internet stalk you? All that stuff. Yeah, well, you can internet stalk me at. Um, you can go to my website, awen a w e n coaching .com. Um, where you can go to awenaf.com. Um, 
or you know my my I'm on most of the social platforms, but my my preferred platform is LinkedIn. So I'm you know Seth Donlin at LinkedIn. Okay, and I'll add I'll put all the links and everything in show notes and whatnot too for everybody. So, um, perfect. Okay. Well, anything else to add before we uh, wrap up? Hmm, I want to come up with something really pithy, uh, but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm blanking. No, just, you know, go again, you know, go out there and experiment and, and, and have fun with it. You know, be, be um, look, it, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're going to spend a lot of time working in our business. So we might as well not be scared of it. We might as well not, we might as well have fun with it. And, and that's not to say that we just like, you know, ah, screw it. Who cares? I'll do X. I'll do Y. Like, no, clearly you're going to, you're going to make, um, well thought out, uh, take well thought out risks and, you know, but you can, you know, you can go out there and have blooper reels on your, on your, um, realty website and, and people will actually really appreciate that. Um, you know, more and more so, you know, when there was one realtor in town, you just went to that one realtor. Now there's a zillion realtors. How do you decide on who you want to be? And if somebody can like brighten your day with a little funniness, a little authenticity, then as far as I'm concerned, that's who I'm going to choose. I know there's a coach that I hired. I mean, he's a great coach. He's one of my favorite coaches, but um, he didn't sell me because of this. But I wouldn't have gone to his website to find out about him if I didn't see his ad. And his ad had him dressed in like an uh, like a you know late eighties, early mid nineties tracksuit. Badly, clearly, he did not know how to break dance, but he was pretending that he did. He had a piece of cardboard down, and he was like break fake kind of break dancing. It and it was a huge and it, you know it, and this was an ad for for a. a a presentation, somebody to teach you how to present on the stage. It had nothing to do with breaking. It was, but it was hilarious and it was self. So like, he was, you know, he was not trying to be cool. He was trying to look like a fool and it was cute and endearing and like really human and interesting and funny. And so I went to his website and checked him out and was blown away by his passion and by his, expertise and by his accomplishments and the ease at which he communicated and you know he's got my money in his pocket now so i i don't think i'm the only one that reacts that way you know have a little fun with your with your potential clients mm-hmm. no it's great it's good um cool well thank you so much for hanging out with me um i greatly enjoyed our conversation and yeah, i learned a lot I. so i'm excited for other people Um, But yeah, thank you.